Tonight's reading is taken from Matthew 7, can be found on 972 of the Pew Bible. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. This is the word of the Lord. Hello everyone. Good to see you. My name is Chris. Um, Good to be with you tonight. Look at God's word together. If we haven't met, it'd be lovely to say hello afterwards over a cup of tea. Uh, let me um, uh, pray for us as we look at God's word together. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, want those words that we've sung to really be true. That you would hear our prayer, that we would see you, and that we would believe you, and that we would walk in your ways. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Earlier on, uh, Neil mentioned about uh, the choices, the decisions uh, that we make in everyday life. Um, I wonder, do you know, uh, how many decisions does the average adult make every day? Any guesses? Any idea? It's hard to know, isn't it? 35,000, apparently. That's quite a lot. I don't think I'm aware of making that many. That's a lot of decisions, golly. Um, another question, um, how do you make your decisions? All those decisions, how do you make your decisions? Uh, there will be um, various ways we can make decisions. Um, and here's, here's a, bit, kind of a list of a bunch of them. Uh, let me just go through these really quickly. Um, you might make decisions through impulsiveness, just go with the first option. Compliance, go with the most popular option. Delegating, pushing off the decision to others to make. Uh, Avoidance or deflection, you ignore making a decision, maybe that. Or what about balancing, you weigh up the best decision. Or perhaps prioritising, you can put the most energy into decisions with the most impact. That's kind of what I was reading about this, just different ways we make decisions. I guess we're all a bit of a mixture, different decision ways of making decisions at different times. But I wonder what's your go-to? As you look at that list, what's it for you? Where do you kind of tend to go when you make decisions? How do you do that? Just looking at that list, um, the lessons to see from that, that it's very easy to not think through your decisions. It's very easy to let other people decide things for us, actually. Very easy. And today... What Jesus tells us in these verses affects every decision, actually. Affects every decision. Uh, The main thing today that we're seeing from Jesus is this command. 
In verse 13 there, this command, enter through the narrow gate. Let me read those verses 13 to 14 again. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Uh, at this stage of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 to 7, Jesus is really, well, he's looking back. He said a huge amount of detail about what it means to uh, live in his kingdom and be a, a disciple of his. It's a countercultural way of living. He's looking back at all this detail and he's summarizing it as uh, entering through the narrow gates, walking the narrow road. It's a summary, you could say. He's also uh, looking forward at the same time. Uh, he's getting to the climax of his sermon, and really, to his disciples listening, he's saying, well, you've heard me say all this, but it's decision time, disciples. It's decision time. What's it going to be? And really, in these verses, he draws up a contrast between uh, Jesus' way and the way of the crowd, you could say, kind of any other way. Jesus' way or any other way, the way of the crowd. I've put a bit of a table that we can look at. There it is. Um, uh, just to kind of summarize a little bit about these two ways, the contrast that we see. So, um, Jesus' way, he describes that as the narrow or the small gate, a narrow road. It's um, restricted in some way, it's not popular, it's less available in some way, it's not natural for us to prefer that way. Few find it, we're told. Uh, but it leads to life. That's very important. Whereas the other way, the way of the crowd, that's the, the wide gate. That's the broad road. It's more roomy, more space there. It's more kind of popular, more people go through it. Uh, it's more available, you could say. It's, it's the one that we would naturally prefer to go down. And many people find it. But, but he says, it leads to destruction. You see the contrast in the two ways, Jesus' way or any other way, the way of the crowd. Jesus, really, he's talking about what does it mean to have genuine, lasting life of following Jesus? That's what he's talking about. And he's saying here that the only genuine way to follow Jesus is an ongoing commitment to follow his commands. The only genuine way to follow Jesus is an ongoing commitment to follow his commands. Now, a couple of things to point out with that is that, first of all, that's not a normal thing. As we can see from this table, the normal thing is the way of the crowd. That's what most people do. That's the popular way. Most people do that. Following Jesus' way is not normal. And if you want to follow Jesus, you need to get used to that. It's not the normal thing. Most people don't do it. Uh, the other thing to say is that it's not a it's not a nominal thing either what do i mean by that um i will notice that uh, the gate and the road are undivided um so if you are to kind of walk through uh, the narrow gates it means you also walk down the narrow road it's not possible uh, in, in what jesus is saying to enter through the narrow gates and then ah the, you know choose the broad road and walk down that way. It's not, Jesus is saying, no, you can't do that. That's not what it's about. 
So it's not possible, Jesus says, to be a true disciple and to say, Jesus, I want to follow you, but then go the way of the crowd. That would be a nominal way of approaching Jesus. He's saying that's not true discipleship, following me is not that. It's not a nominal thing. It's not normal. It's not nominal. The only genuine way to follow Jesus is an ongoing commitment to follow his commands. Um, There's a writer called um, uh, Eugene Peterson. Uh, One of the books that he wrote uh, had this title, which is a good summary, I think, of this. He um, He talks about the long obedience in the same direction. I find that very helpful. The Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. It's continually wanting to follow Jesus' commands, ongoing decisions to follow him. Uh, now, I realize um, if you're here, um, and to be honest, you're thinking, uh, I'm not actually a follower of Jesus. I wouldn't call myself that. Uh, this might also be a question if you are a Christian as well. Sometimes you might have the thought of, you know what, I'd actually quite like to know everything about the rest of my life and what it means to follow Jesus. I'd like to know that ahead of time, actually. Um, because you know, that's a natural thing to want to know that, isn't it? What's it going to mean for every decision? What is, what is the detail of that life going to be? What does it mean? What will it mean for my life? And one of the things Jesus would say here is to all of us, really, is that actually we can't know everything of what it will be like. And certainly we won't be able to obey everything, Jesus tells us. We can't do that. We all muck up, we fail, definitely. But what he wants is he wants us to obey him. He wants us to desire to have a whole life that is about following him. That is the way we go down, not the way of the crowd. It's about the heart. Do you want to obey him and live for him? Christian life is about wanting to follow Jesus, wanting to obey him. And that takes work. It takes a lot of work, actually. Um, several years ago, I uh, was in Western Canada for a little while. And one of the most fun things I did there, um, I did do some serious stuff. I was studying at the time, but they didn't make me study very hard. Anyway, um, so one of the things I did was had this canoe trip in British Columbia, which was so much fun. Brilliant. Um, it was a week-long canoe trip in the wilderness. It was a kind of circuit of uh, lakes and rivers. Uh, wilderness, just fantastic uh, landscapes. Brilliant, brilliant. And uh, one of the things I most enjoyed on that trip was when it was the river rather than the lake. Because the lake's quite hard work. You've got to paddle all day, all day. Quite hard work. I don't have very strong arms. Uh, but the river was great. Because then you can put, you're in the canoe... And you just put it to one side, and you just drift. You just drift down the river, wherever the river takes you. And you can lie back, you put your, hand in the, in your, uh, put your head in your hands, take in the view, brilliant, just drift. Just go where the river takes you. Jesus says, the Christian life is not like that. It's not like that. The, the, it's not about drifting. When you drift, that's the way of the crowds. That's going the popular way. That's going the easy way, you could say. The Christian life takes work. Following Jesus takes work. 
it takes effort uh, to want to follow him, to put into practice everything uh, as much as we can from the Sermon on the Mount and his other teachings. It takes effort. That doesn't happen overnight. It can be work. But drifting, that won't, that won't, that's not following Jesus. And actually, it's, if you drift, that's the way to destruction, he says, and that's not good. Christian life, it takes work to follow Jesus. And we've got to know that and be ready for that and to want to, to do that. It's not the basis on which he saves us, but it is the expectation of what our life will be like. So to ask us today, uh, whatever your life situation is today, I wonder what that is, but if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I guess the question is, do you, know, do you want to kind of obey and follow him? That's what Jesus would ask. Do you want to kind of work at that and put effort into that? Because it doesn't come naturally, easily, in one sense. Is that uh, the conviction of your heart? And um, it's good just to start somewhere as well, from wherever you are, however long you've been a Christian perhaps. Good to start somewhere. So you can think kind of uh, practically, what is the next step for me? Um, and you could think, uh, looking back, if you've been coming to sermons um, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, what has kind of stuck out for you? Is there one thing, even just one thing that's really stuck out, that's made you think, oh, you know what, I don't think I follow Jesus like that. I, I think I'd love to do that. I think I need to do that. Would there be one thing? Just what's, what's your kind of next step of following Jesus? I think for me, um, actually the verse previous to this, it really stuck out for me. Jesus says, um, he says, in everything you do, do to others as, as they would have you do to them. Wow. In everything you do. That's made me think, wow, I really don't do that. <laughs> but I can see how that would change my life and the life of the people around me. Um, so that's my next step. And I wonder what it might be uh, for you. It's hard work. But God gives us his spirit to change our hearts, to want to do that, to want to follow him, and to give us the power to do that, the power to change. Following Jesus is an ongoing commitment to follow his commands. That's what Jesus expects. Um, For the rest of our time, we're going to look at, um, from these passages, um, a couple of uh, threats to doing that. A couple of threats to following Jesus' way rather than the way of the crowd. Um, let's um, look at the first threat, uh, which is, I've called kind of the quiet voices, or should be the quiet voices, rather, of, of the many. That's my typo. The quiet voices of the many. Which is to say um, that we'll often feel tempted by a more popular, attractive alternative to following Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying here. We'll often feel tempted by something more popular, more attractive than following Jesus. Uh, what might that be? Well, really, it could be anything that tells us there's an easier and better way than Jesus' way. It could be anything at all. Uh, in one sense, it doesn't take long to think of what those kind of voices uh, that we can hear uh, can be. The voices in society, the voices that we hear every day. We swim in our society. It is the world in which we live. And we hear voices the whole time. People would say uh, certain things, which is 
um, the, the crowd saying things to us effectively. Um, let me just mention a few that are very popular. And, um, you know, the couple of acronyms that you get. You know, FOMO. FOMO. I know, I know, I don't sound particularly cool saying these things. Uh, but FOMO is like a, a fear of missing out. You've got to keep up with other people. That's a voice we hear in society, isn't it? The whole time. Don't miss out. Another one would be uh, the other acronym, YOLO. You only live once. You've got to realize your dreams. You've got to do the experiences. You deserve those things. We hear those voices in society, don't we? The whole time. Another one would be, uh, no one tells me what to do. I'm the boss of my life. I get to decide. So should you. That's, we hear that, don't we? And another one, very prominent. Um, if it feels right, it can't be wrong. I know that's a line from Happy Days, isn't it? But like, if it feels right, it can't be wrong. If it feels right, it must be right. You go with what feels good. We hear that the whole time. Those voices, the voices of the crowd, actually. Uh, do they match up with Jesus' way of living as we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount? They don't. Jesus says, go my way. Uh, Realise the dreams that he gives, his kingdom, everything about that. Um, practically, to think through, just to kind of help us with this, is how do we, if those voices are so prominent and can really can persuade us, tempt us to follow the way of the crowd and not Jesus' way, what do we do about that? How can we battle against those threats? Because we need to. Um, just a few simple things, really. It's really important to know you're in a battle. It's important to know that voices do tempt us and sway us from following Jesus. You've got to know you're in a battle. Um, practically, it can be very helpful to slow down your decision-making rather than going instinctively with what kind of feels right. Slow down uh, so that we can discern it's important to discern what messages we are being told by our friends or people at work or what we read or see on TV, whatever. You've got to discern. What are they saying to us? Are they saying the message of the crowd that takes us from Jesus? And also to discern our own hearts. To think, well, where is my heart inclined to lean? Does my heart want to go with that message? Because it sounds quite attractive and everyone else is doing that. Everyone else thinks that. And we have to... Th- Take the time to think those things through and pray for God's help that he would, by his spirit, change our hearts so that we want to do what Jesus was saying and follow his way. Um, It's important. We must battle with those threats when we hear them because they would uh, tempt us away from following Jesus. That's uh, the quiet voices of the many. They're all around us. That's the first threat. Um, The second threat, the second threat, Uh, which is going on to the next uh, set of verses. I've called this um, uh, the loud voices of the few. So verse 15, Jesus says, Watch out. Watch out for false prophets. Let me read again that whole paragraph. Um, Verse 15, Watch out for false prophets, Jesus says. They come to you in sheep's clothing, 
but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruits, but a bad tree bears bad fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruits, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruits. Every tree that does not bear good fruits is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits you will recognize them. He's saying, if you're following me, watch out for anyone influencing you who might lead you away from following Jesus and his commands. Watch out. Again, a bit of a uh, summary table just to help us with this. Uh, Some of these details about these false prophets, um, uh, their intent is to lead you astray. We've seen that. Their teaching, well, they might sound like true disciples, possibly, maybe convincing, possibly. But their character will probably look like disciples, certainly, because they're dressed as sheep, Bit of a funny image, but they'll look like the real thing at first, certainly. But how do you tell they're not? Well, eventually, uh, you'll see the bad fruits. You'll see the evidence of the character of their lives. And the destination of them is that they'll be thrown into the fire because God's verdict is that they are fake, they're counterfeit, they don't speak for Him. Uh, so that's the false. Prophets, really, and the, these voices that we can hear can be can be in a in a, a local church of any sort. Uh, they can be um, uh, further afield. You think how much we might listen to preachers teaching online or in different ways. Uh, they could be kind of out there. Um, so maybe think for yourself. You know, are there particular people who do influence me actually quite a lot? You know, particularly so. Who, would, who might that be for me? Do I have a favourite teacher I listen to online? That, that kind of thing. Now, what kind of things are these kind of false prophets saying? Well, I think it's fair to say that their messages would be um, uh, similar to society, similar to kind of the voices of the crowd that we thought about earlier. They'd be very similar, echoing them. Uh, that's why what they might say would could be very tempting. And... Um, so in addition to all the ones that we kind of thought about earlier, uh, certainly a big, big voice that pro- false prophets would say to people have done for centuries would be um, in what they might say about our sin. They might say things like sin as well, you know, yeah, sin's, God's forgiven you, but sin's not that important really. When you don't live for God, that's not important. You, you no need to fight sin. Don't bother doing that. That's been a very popular message for the last 2,000 years. Jesus says, watch out for that. But it might be quite subtle. So how do you tell that these people are kind of fake, as it were? Now, elsewhere in the New Testament, uh, we're told to, kind of, to ask the question, do, their, do teachers, do, do their beliefs match up with what Jesus says? Do their beliefs match up? Here, it's less about that. It's more about, do their lives match up to Jesus' way? Their life. One commentator says, professing to follow Jesus is easy. Christian behavior, behavior may be counterfeit, fake. But what a person really is will show inevitably in how they live. 
Maybe not at first, but inevitably you will be able to see. Which is not saying that we should be like investigative journalists kind of bugging people's homes. That would be inappropriate. But there are helpful questions that we can ask if there are people with particular influence over us. So I think a helpful question to ask is of that person, uh, does that person have a, a track record of serving God faithfully and enduring the cost of following Jesus? That could be a helpful question to ask. Just trying to see, does their character match up with the character Jesus describes? Do they have a track record of serving God faithfully and enduring the cost of following him? And that's why it's so hard to suss out online preachers. Very hard, because how do you know? How do you know what their character really is when the cameras are off them? It's very hard. You don't know their lives. Jesus says, watch out for anyone influencing you who might lead you away from him. Watch out uh, for the loud voices of the few. So, so Jesus' invitation to us today is this. For now, and for looking ahead for your life, Jesus says, choose my way. Enter through the narrow gate and walk the narrow road. Forget the way of the crowd. Forget that. In fact, beware of the crowd. Beware of false prophets and the crowd pleasers. Choose my way. Choose my way to follow me, obey me, live for me. That's the only way uh, to know me. Uh, for myself, um, fact, so a year and a half ago, when I came to St. John's, it's been a year and a half, wow, um, just before I joined St. John's, um, uh, I was ordained into the Church of England, and there was a big service um, before that, we had a three-day uh, retreat, which is very nice. I slept a lot. And you could have you know, space to just um, pray and reflect and read. It was very useful. Um, I remember the night before um, the ordination service the next day, um, I was, kind of, I guess, kind of thinking ahead to the next day and thinking, wow, tomorrow they're going to be big crowds, actually. Uh, makes me a bit nervous, but ah, oh, big crowds, the hundreds of people, they're all there to support, great, and probably going to feel pretty popular, actually. There's something nice in that. I think that was kind of where I was thinking a bit. And what was interesting is that I uh, turned to the Sermon on the Mount. I think the Lord wanted me to read the Sermon on the Mount that night, and I read through it. And it was these two verses, especially 13 and 14, that really stood out for me personally. They really jumped out at me. It was really sense God saying, like, and it's fine to have the crowds tomorrow, but but what's your heart, Chris? What's your heart? It's nice to have big crowds, it's nice to feel popular. But the Christian life is not the way of the crowd. The Christian life is more costly. It's it's hard work. It's wonderful, wonderfully blessed, but it's it's hard, it's not popular. It's not the way of the crowd. And I was really grateful to the Lord uh, for putting that on my heart. I wonder what about you? What would it look like for you to say yes to Jesus 
in what you've heard uh, today? What would it look like? What is it for you? The long obedience in the same direction. That is the Christian life, following Jesus. It's not straightforward. It takes purpose. It takes daily commitment, a daily kind of heart searching, daily discerning, your own heart. Is... But it's the only way to life, Jesus says. You might think, well, it sounds very radical. And you know what? You're right. It is really radical, completely countercultural, completely opposite from the values of the world. It's radical, but it's also completely normal. This is normal Christian living. This is the normal expectation that Jesus says. This is the way to live for me. Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus is good. Jesus lived a life that we couldn't live and he died in our place. Jesus is good. He knows what we need. And he knows how to keep you close to him. And he says, enter through the narrow gate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know our failings, but you, you forgive, and you are kind, and you bless. And this is for our goods and for the good of the people we can impact and people around us, Father. We pray so much in light of what we've heard from the Lord Jesus that we, you would help us to choose his way daily, ongoing. And we pray that you'd protect us from choosing the way of the crowd. Help us to know when we're uh, tempted by that and protect us, protect our hearts Change our hearts by your spirit so that we would want to follow him. And we pray for your glory. Amen.